0: You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast, bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah Utes. Now, your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott.
1: Welcome on in to the Utah Man Podcast. On this episode, the Utes get a big win over the UCLA Bruins, and we look ahead as Utah takes on the Trees of Stanford. I'm Cameron, and I got Ryan. What's up, Ute Nation? And Scott. What is up, boys? What is up is Utah is on the leaderboard for the South. With a
0: two-game lead. Commanding lead. And all the tiebreakers we need.
2: Let's let's hope.
1: (laughs) I kind of (laughs) want to rewind. After that San Diego State game, this team is in such a different place than it was a month ago. Listening to that podcast, we were hoping Utah could just...
2: Get bowl eligible, <laughs> yes. maybe? get bowl eligible. No, we, be no, the middle we of were the hoping the offensive line could block a guy. Good what point. A, what a transformation that this football team has gone, under, gone through. And then a lot of that credit has to go to the offensive line.
1: Oh, they are time. night
2: and day different. And I just wonder, like, why? Why did it take so long? Because this year this year was definitely worse than in years past, right? But it you've seen it year over year under Harding. The offensive line is a little slow to get going out of the gates. But this year it was definitely accentuated with how bad they were early. And I just it's crazy to me how they can go from such a poor unit early to really playing at a high level right now and it's not necessarily a, a
0: a an instance where all five guys are playing all the time i mean we there's been injuries all over the board and there's guys coming in and they're still working
1: well together and making plays we saw that this week with ford getting moved to the left guard
2: and the right guard back to the left guard oh he did get moved over to the <laughs> for right one, for one, one play, play for, for one injury play. No, but it uh, I'll tell you they uh, and and Ford who took a lot of the criticism um early on, you know, his play has has drastically improved as well. So just just that unit as, as a whole and and credit to Jim Harding because obviously a lot of the praise right now is going towards Cam Rising and rightfully so, but uh, the reason Cam can do a lot of what he's doing is because of what this offensive line is doing. And and what they just did to UCLA is Really impressive. Two hundred and ninety yards on the ground, where UCLA was giving up under a hundred. Under a hundred. I think
1: there were ninety eight yards a game on, ninety eight yards a game on the season prior to the Utah game. But I think it's because of that. Why Cam's having so much success is because of that running attack that Utah's been doing. They're having to kind of bring bring the bring guys in the box. It's letting. The receivers have more one-on-one um, matchups, letting guys get wait, open. Wait, wait wait receivers are getting the ball. What? It, it, it's all it's all <laughs> together, right? It's one is is aiding the other as far as the run and the pass. And I to your point, Scott, it's all starting with the trenches and the offensive line. Night and day difference, and I mean it. What they're doing is remarkable.
2: No, oh, it's 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 phenomenal. I mean, and and Tavion Thomas again, he's a part of it. I mean, you you can just go through and you can just name guys at every position and that are playing at such a high level. But finally we're getting Tavion Thomas who we expected out of fall camp. He's playing at a high level. He's holding on to the ball. He's he's Pac-12 12 offensive player of the week this Yeah, week. I mean 6.7 yards per carry on 24 attempts four touchdowns I mean he just he dominated that game and I mean that's why he's your starter Pledger obviously still getting opportunities and he's coming in and he's spelling him a little bit but it's it's the it's the Tavian Thomas show at this point moving forward and credit to Thomas
1: because he had those fumble issues at the beginning of the year he's worked on that and the coaching staff never lost faith in him they kept Getting him in still kept getting getting his reps, and now he's taking advantage of that. The thing I love about TJ Pledger is when he comes in, he's finished. He finished UCLA off of sixty-one yards himself,
0: and he would have had a touchdown if he could. If the, the loses his, lose his feet,
1: <laughs> but I think it it just goes back to this is such a different team than a month ago, and it, it's it's remarkable the the way they've been able to turn around and turn around so quickly against the conference it's not like they were able to turn it around against a lesser opponent like an fcs or something they're doing it in games that matter in the pac 12 and they're leading the south not by default because they've gone out and earned it
2: yeah i mean over these last four games they've scored 42 35 34 44 points and over that same span Those last four games, they're over 450 yards in all four of those games. I mean, that's that in 2019, we didn't even do that with Tyler Huntley and and the offense that we had that was really rolling at that point. And you're doing this with a young Tavion Thomas, you're doing this with a young offensive line and with a very young and inexperienced Cam Rising at the quarterback position and against some. Stout defenses. I mean, go back to essentially ASU, the, the top contenders of the South. Yeah. Between USC, UCLA, and Arizona State. So it's it's really impressive what this offense and, and a lot of credit, again, goes to Andy Ludwig. Because he's the one that really threw a, a, a pretty shaky and ugly start. He too, along with Harding, has kind of righted the ship. And you're seeing improvement from Cam rising. You're seeing Obviously Cam Rising just just in general he's he's just a very confident kid and uh, I I just think that's just his nature his personality but you're seeing he's playing within the offense of what Ludwig is is putting together week in and week out and and I just think Ludwig is doing a really good job of putting the strengths of Cam Rising into play and allowing him that, to just go out and just play I think the number
1: one stat, if you look at this, this offensive unit as a whole, what they're being able to do is third down efficiency. If you yeah. talked about, remember we talked about in the first couple games of the season, they were going about 30% on converting third downs. This past game, eight of 12. It's phenomenal. Uh, the, the differences that they're doing in, in these little, these little things that are adding up throughout the game.
0: Well, and two, I think part of that is, They only had 12 third downs, which means they're picking up first downs on first and second down. They're not getting to third down as much as as they were earlier in the season. Well, earlier
2: in the season, not only were you getting to third down consistently, you were in third and long, third Mm -hmm. and seven, third and 12 consistently, right? Whereas now, yeah, how how many times last game was it third and two, third and one? And, and a lot of
0: that time it was second and two or second and three. It, so it well, spe- makes it easier to call plays and to make plays on those when you've got two plays to pick up
2: a minim- minimal number of yards. Well, and, and especially in the, fourth da- or in the fourth quarter when Utah was just trying to drain clock and, and, and get out of there, UCLA knew we were going to run. Everybody in the stadium knew we were going to run. And Tavion was still getting seven to eight on first down. Which again, just that just opens up the playbook, and obviously, in in, th- in that situation, you know they weren't really going to pass unless they absolutely had to because they wanted to keep that clock moving. But overall, what that does for the offense in the future, when you can continue to pick up those first downs, how much more creative and how much more almost daring can Ludwig and Rising be on second down when you're when you're that good on first down, but. I mean, looking back at this game, I, I, I would say out of these last four that we've played, this was the most vanilla offense we saw or game plan that we saw out of the last four. And I'm not saying yeah. vanilla as in boring. I'm just saying a lot of three tight end personnel. Mm-hmm. We didn't spread UCLA out outside of a, a few opportunities. We ran the ball. We did take a couple of deep shots. Obviously, the the flea flicker that uh, maybe was just a, a tad underthrown, um, but there was not a lot of attempts down the field with the passing game. It was it was a very controlled passing game and just run the rock over and over and again and again. When you can run for 290 yards, you really don't need to get super creative in the passing game because just keep just keep feeding it, just keep going to it. But uh, to me that's what was impressive is it wasn't a it wasn't a USC performance where we were throwing the ball all over the field and we put up that 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 many points and that amount of yardage. It was a pretty vanilla game plan and they still were able to accomplish that. To me, that's where I almost take more out of this win than the USC win yeah, well, no what they were able to do. And I think that goes back to Cameron's comments earlier about
0: the offensive line I think, Either beforehand they saw what they were going to be able to do and executed it during this game, or as the game wore on, they said, "Man, this this personnel group, these they can move the defensive tackles and and pick up yardage." And they just kept going at it, just kept running it.
2: Well, I, I don't know that they saw that on film because Kyle's winning, Kyle Whittingham's comments post game said they're they're holding teams to ninety yards a game, and he said, "If that happens to us, we will not win this game." and he challenged the offensive line to be able to go out there. And so I don't know that they saw it on film that they would be able to go and have success, but I think from from Utah's standpoint is they wanted to invoke their will upon UCLA and say, we're going to do this. Well, and and
1: they I, did. I, and, they, and they did because if you look at their scoring drives, their first three scoring drives, all three were 75 yards, nine plays, 10 plays. And seven plays. So you got some long drives in there. And what you're saying, Ryan, it wasn't explosive plays that they were just scoring off of.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Or, you know, a, a fluke play where a defender falls down and the wide receiver's wide open 40 yards down the field.
2: Or they're not even short
1: fields, to your point. And the fact that they could keep drives alive consistently throughout that game, there was some parts in that third quarter... Uh, and credit to UCLA made some nice adjustments. But credit to this Utah offense, and I don't think this is something we've ever seen. I don't think this is something we've ever seen from a Utah team in quite some time is for the offense to be as productive as it has been. Usually it's always been Utah's had to rely on their defense, get their offense in good field position because the offense can't sustain drive for 75 yards.
2: Mm hmm. And now now we just sit back and just get entertained offensively. I mean, it's such a different it's such a different change. And 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 we'll talk about the defense. And the defense did have some moments and and played really well in some moments, but it's just it's almost just a complete switch of dynamics between this offense and defense from what you fans are accustomed to seeing, right? You can count th- throughout Whittingham's tenure, you've been able to just rely and say, our defense will get it done. We need to stop here. They'll get it done because they've done that so consistently. Well, how many times
0: in this podcast have we said if we can get to if we if the offense can put thirty points on the board, well, we've got a chance to win this game <laughs> right. because of the defense. Because
2: of the defense and knowing how limited we were offensively, we had to rely upon that defense. And now it's just a it's just a complete switch. We now have confidence that the offense can go and score and score consistently. And you're just hoping that the defense can stop (laughs) enough at this point. Well, yeah,
0: but look at, I mean, I I don't know the number off the top of my head, but if you go back to the ASU game, the second half, four, four possessions, four scores. Oregon State, the following week, the first two possessions were touchdowns. The third possession was a field goal. We did get stopped a couple of times by stupid mistakes. In, in that game, but for the most part, we move the ball at will, and then in this game, four of the five first-half possessions, I believe, were touchdowns, little little lull in the action in the third quarter, and then put two two additional touchdowns in the fourth quarter, so for the most part, when the offense has the ball, at this point, you're almost expecting a touchdown.
2: Which, which is good, because when the defense takes the field, you're almost expecting to give up a touchdown. <laughs> All right, got to take a break. Uh,
1: when we come back, I want to continue this on the offense, especially when we – I want to talk about the coin top. With
0: threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
1: All right, in very unwittingham fashion, Utah wins the coin toss and elects to receive the ball to start the game uh, I love the aggressiveness from Utah and after the game uh, Winningham said they did it for two reasons one's because their offense is rolling and two uh, they want to get an extra possession on the offense because of Devin Lloyd not being in there the first half
2: yeah good 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 ideas
1: Cam Rising was asked about it and he's his whole philosophy is because we're going to score. That's why he wanted the ball. And I love that. I love the confidence that this team on the offense is showing. And it all starts with the leadership of, of Cam Rising and what he's doing for this
2: offense. Yeah. No, it's, it's it, again, it's just that change in mentality that we've been talking about. That you're seeing from the offensive side a a level of confidence that really you, we haven't seen since Urban Meyer in 2004. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could because even in the '08 season, where you go undefeated, you beat Bama in the Sugar Bowl. We didn't have an offense like that, you know. We were we were good, um, good and enough, and in they some seemed games. To score
0: when they needed to that right. year. But it wasn't like they weren't a you juggernaut, just the ball and we were going to get a touchdown yeah. for you.
2: Well, I think
1: even in the the teams that went to the Pac-12 championship game, it was really ride or die with Zach Moss. Right. I mean, Tyler Huntley was a, a, an excellent player. Don't get me wrong on that. But the star was Zach Moss, and Zach Moss, you know, for a lot of issues that the offensive had, Zach Moss covered that up. Sure. It seems like now with with this team so far in the season is it, it really is a it's collective. It's everyone from Tavion Thomas stepping up, Cam Rising stepping up, and the offensive line, which we've been praising, you know, all all episode. Give get the offensive line more mac and cheese. Because they are killing it.
2: <laughs> yeah, they're they're playing at a high level. And I, what I want to continue to see is obviously in this game, you only had two wide receivers catch balls. Britton Covey got three. Devon Bailey got three. Outside of that, um, Howard was never uh, targeted. Enos wasn't targeted. Enos wasn't targeted. Parks and was. Parks once. had one that was overthrown over oh, yeah. his head. Um, so again, that's that's one area where, and we've seen that. Through this 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 four game stretch where the wide receivers have been really involved and pivotal in the in the success and that's what I hope. Obviously, you got to utilize these tight ends because of how dominant and how good they are. But I just hope that we can continue to keep these guys engaged and involved in the offense because if you got all of these guys involved, it just makes this it just makes it tougher on a defense to to defend.
1: And I wonder how much of it is because the wide receivers are banged up. And I I was surprised to see Howard out there. Um, but he looked good he did look good but right after the Oregon State game there was questions of was it a season ending injury with him Uh, Solomon Enos has missed a few games because being banged up Uh, so I mean I agree that and I noticed
0: just to tag on to that though even Covey even though he had three catches and was in on a few plays he wasn't out there as much as he typically is And, and maybe that's just because of the personnel groupings that, that were being successful and they're just kept well, this is this is working for us, so we're gonna run with it. And and Covey's Covey and some of those other wide receivers aren't part of those packages.
1: But I mean even before we started recording, we were talking about in the in the Pac 12 championship game against Oregon how they just double teamed Keithy the whole time. And that once they kind of took that away from Utah, the Utah really didn't have an an answer for it. Uh, this year this team, Scott, to your point, the wide receivers, they didn't get the production that they have been getting. But other guys were stepping up. What what we called out, Keithy with five receptions, uh, Kincaid with three. And so while maybe the, the wide receivers could be banged up, that's why they're not getting uh, the rep or the game plan just didn't really open it up for them to be productive it is nice and refreshing to see other guys in different positions stepping up and taking that workload uh, because this offense is humming along.
0: I'll tell you one guy that stepped up was our new
2: punter. Oh, all right. No, Can we just talk no, Thick Boy for a minute? No no, no Brad Paisley sightings this, this Saturday. <laughs> thick Boy, did you see he got votes for special teams player of the he week? You, you know they came from local media. You know they did.
0: I like it clearly, and I don't know. It's not, it probably isn't going to work if you're pinned inside your own five yard line and have to punt. Um, but when you're at midfield and you got it, it's fourth and seven or fourth and six.
2: It works. It, it works. It works now, right? But if you do this for three straight, Oh, it's going to get scouted and it there. Teams can, teams can make an adjustment. It, it, they're probably the, – the nice thing about it is I don't know that a team is going to dedicate somebody in that situation that deep to be able to fill the punt. See,
1: that's the thing I love is because if you do have your safeties back to field, that opens up the field a little bit more so you don't have to kick it.
2: Well, And, and I think on that second punt, he he um, audibled into the punt. If you noticed, he he lined up at a normal depth looked over the defense and then did his little uh, um his little gesture kill, to, kill. to kill and then he took about 3 steps back before the ball was snapped and so i think i think on that one there was an option if you like what you see run the play if you don't like what you see check out of it and kick it which which i like right because that just takes advantage of that point that you just made if, if the defense is going to send maybe a safety back to try and field one of those punts, well, now you've only got 10 real defenders you got to worry mm-hmm. about, and, and maybe that's the look that you like, and, and you run your play, you pick up that first down. So it, it gives teams some options, but it, it will be interesting to see if that's something that they continue to use throughout uh, the rest of the season or if that's just going to be something you see in spot uh, spot situations yeah. but, but I mean it definitely
1: has to be spot situations cuz like Ryan pointed out when you're deep in your own territory you can't do that you got to get a good punt well off. You,
2: you you can, you, you can, you can if, <laughs> if you have no confidence in your <laughs> in your punting unit very true but what i also like about
0: the him punting it and it clearly I mean, he had experience in high school, so he knows what he's doing to a certain extent. But he put both of those punts inside the 10-yard okay, line. They both checked.
1: <laughs> that That safety was all because of rising. Oh,
2: yeah. We, they both backed up. Both of those punts. I mean, it was like watching Hackett out there. Mm. We haven't had a punter that's really been able to consistently back him up since... Wishnowski. You know, well, Wischnowski did, but he wasn't quite as good as Hackett. Hackett had just an ability to can consistently just drop it right where he needed to and now have it roll into the end zone. And obviously Wisniewski was a super talent, but but yeah, I mean it was it was pretty incredible what he was able to do.
1: I mean I want to keep talking about about rising. Uh, I do want to say I gotta give credit to Shaw. Kickoffs were a lot better. Uh they're tackling it was amazing how UCLA kept bringing the ball out and they never got it to the 20
2: well they brought it, it out the because 25. they the ball wasn't kicked into the end zone so you're almost forcing you know UCLA's hand there catching it at the 2 yard line they got to run it at that point
1: yes but the fact that the coverage was down there and made no, good great. tackles cuz that's one thing we have harped on right with with the special teams uh, and, and is it, them not being able to to hold guys in check and them getting past the 25 uh, which is for me is the kind of, you know, the telltale side of, of how well you're covering your kickoffs.
2: And and I agree with all that. But where I stand, every ball, kick it out of the back of the end zone. I, I agree. Because I don't trust this special teams unit as far as I can throw them. You know, I, I agree. I, I'm a firm believer, just kick it out.
1: But for the ones that didn't go out, they weren't touchbacks. I, I will give Shaw credit no, was, and the special was good teams coverage,
0: credit. For sure.
1: Uh, so let's pick it up to, to, to Cam Rising. Cam Rising. 17 of 27 179 yards uh, one touchdown in the air uh, I think one thing that i that I saw that you know we kind of talk about in the game is is rising isn't locked on on a receiver anymore and we saw that in his first game against Washington State how we just stare guys down. He has progressed so much it's surprisingly to think he still is under 10 games. In a college well, career, that, what, that, is he that at growth? six
2: now, seven now? That's that growth that you're seeing is is he's progressing at a really good rate, and he's making good decisions. Right? He's only got two picks on the season. Well, those two picks came on one a bad throw, um, and one just kind of an un- unlucky situation. Oh, the, the flip against with ASU, game, right? Yeah. And outside of that, he's got no picks on the year. Uh, outside of that game so he's protecting the ball yet he's still being aggressive and he, and some of those he's fitting into really tight windows and that ball to keithy down the down the sideline towards the ucla sideline in the first quarter and that was that was a beautiful well, throw only where he could get it well and it was, it was just it was on a rope just mm-hmm. just it was
1: just pretty to watch i again i am all in on cam rising um I don't think it's a coincidence that the team started playing better when he's in there. Is he the sole reason? No. But everyone just says what a great leader he is. And it doesn't matter if it's third and long or or whatnot. They believe in what he's saying in the huddle. And I think that just kind of spreads out the whole offense. I I think that's where you're seeing that confidence come in.
2: Now, if you guys remember... Our longtime listeners will remember uh, this fondly, back in 2019. Our love of Tyler Huntley.
1: Why do we let
2: him take control, G- Ryan? Guys, we're back on the pottery wheel. Rising has put us back on the pottery wheel. <laughs> there he is,
1: <laughs> Scott. Can if, you can
0: be- o-
2: if you folks can only see Scott right now, Scott Huntley pottery, be- for- fake pottery. <laughs> we're forming. We're forming. Creating a nice base. Scott
1: can't be trusted with with the equipment here.
2: Rising has got us in in a place where it's just magic is happening, guys. Well, if this is only a video podcast, you guys would be dying. It feels good to have a quarterback play like this again, doesn't it? We, we get these we get these moments on the podcast.
1: I'm sure his soft hands are nice on that. Pottery wheel.
2: I bet he. I bet he knows how to throw a bowl, as they say in the pottery world.
1: <laughs>
2: oh my gosh,
1: Scott! How I let you take control sometimes. I just. I don't know. Tell you,
2: Cam. Cam, take the wheel, buddy. Take the wheel, Cam.
1: <laughs> I got nothing. I. Can't, I, can't I, can't I can't follow this up. I can't follow this up. No, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying Cam Rising. I, I know. I, I I clearly know you're not speaking to me, Scott.
2: Take the wheel, Cam. Take over. Finish the Finish the pottery. Finish the piece. All the way to the Rose Bowl, baby. We're here the whole way. My hands are on your hands. Let's work this together.
1: <laughs> I don't know what oh, I don't know. a I, family show.
2: I don't know what to say. I could feel his
1: presence. <laughs> oh my gosh, Scott! Are you done with your pottery?
2: I'm in the moment here, gentlemen. <laughs> oh
1: gosh. One
0: by one, the listeners are dropping off.
2: Wow. That's 64 completion percentage. Pull through.
0: (laughs) I I can't.
1: All right. So if you're still with us, I don't know where Scott is. (laughs) Physically, he's here. I don't know where he is mentally. I'm cleaning up over on the pottery wheel here somewhere with
0: Demi
2: Moore and Patrick Swayze That's what Cam's Cam's play is doing to me It's magic, gentlemen. All right, I, I got to go to break. I can't, I got <laughs> I got to go to break.
1: Rethink where this episode's going. We'll
2: be right back. Hey, lead us lead us to the break uh, with the end of that song.
1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America, and a Member FDIC. All right, we're back. I've taken full control of the board. No more Scott. Whatever he does it, it's either like Neil Diamond. <laughs> what, I, I don't. What's that song? I can't remember. That. Neil Diamond, S- Sweet Caroline, Sweet Caroline, Unchained Melody.
2: Little li- we've done we've done a little Lionel Richie. We have
1: done Lionel Richie. Oh. You did like some curse thing a couple of years ago. Fernando.
2: Well, I have to bring Fernando the- back on. Didn't
0: he also do like a Willie Nelson tribute or something or like a? We've
2: we've done a number of things here. <laughs> we've done a we've done a, a variety of. Field of Dreams has made uh, made the show a few times. It's, but right now. We got we got the the magic feeling from Cam. All right, so let's go in the defense.
1: Uh I think the defense played better. It's not the same defense Utah's put out year after year, but I think they're making strides. They're making improvements. Um they they are banged up. They do have some injuries. Devin Lloyd missed the whole first half because of the terrible targeting call the week prior. Clark Phillips is playing the nickel. But as much as that's all getting moved around, as much as the youth is there, I, I still think this defense is getting better.
0: I, I think you're right. I think just in just in this game alone, I think we saw an improvement from start to finish. I mean, early in that game, they were matching us. We would score a touchdown, they'd score a touchdown. And as the game wore on, we figured out ways to stop them and, and get off, get their offense off the field.
1: If there's one thing that that is alarming for this um, for this game on the defense, they did hold UCLA to four of sixteen on third down, but they allowed them go seven of nine on fourth down.
2: It's because that's the Chip Kelly thing, though. Well, but it was also where they stood on the field. Is they were consistently near the fifty or on the other side where they felt comfortable enough. And I I think part of it is they just don't respect our defense. Oh, for sure that they knew, hey, we're going to go for it, and we're going to get it against these guys. And and part of that was they were in third and long quite a bit, which is why they didn't get it convert a lot of those third downs, but they were st- able to get chunks. So that fourth down was pretty manageable, and then they were able just to pick up that fourth and two, fourth and four, fourth and five, pretty consistently throughout the night. But I think you're starting to see, obviously, we're really thin – at corner right now. Um and we're young and but but to put that point second half was definitely better than, than than the first half. Um or at least I should say the first quarter. Second quarter got some stops, got that got that mm-hmm. first interception. It feels like feels like it's been forever oh, since yeah. we've had a a momentum swinging turnover. Um, and, and so that pick was huge. I think that's huge for these guys to give them some confidence to know, hey, we've done it. We can do it again. And, uh, um but,
0: but it's also the small things. I mean, look how many batted
2: balls we had in this game. Yeah. We haven't seen even that recently. No. Ha- how Tai Tao had himself a game. Oh yeah. Through, I believe he, he had... He may have just had two, or it was either two or three of those batted down passes. Obviously, he had that huge safety um, really that sealed the game there in the fourth quarter. Um, he, he was just He was rock solid, and that's good to see, considering you know he kind of lost his job early on in the season. Um, so him coming back playing at really a high level, and you're seeing, you're seeing spurts of, of these young guys on the defensive line. Who you saw it from Fillinger? You're seeing it from uh, Tofuna, That uh, they have moments where they play really, really well, and and are getting the job done. It's just that consistency, you know, staying in your lane, playing, doing your job, play after play after play. Um, and obviously, it helped getting uh, getting Demon Lloyd back on the field.
1: And I think you know a lot of that is just because of youth. They they got to get those reps. They kind of got to get build that consistency um and i think that's what's helping the offense is because there are the veterans is definitely on the offensive side of the ball uh but on the defensive side of the ball with lloyd being out in that first half i i really thought the defense played well i i, I admit i was going in i was kind of nervous with lloyd not being there cuz lloyd covers up a lot of mistakes uh by this team he r- really is the consistent defensive player that can get pressure on the quarterback uh, that's one area I'm still concerned about is Utah just not getting pressure, timely pressure on the quarterback. Uh, but again, it's a young defense; they're learning, they're getting better, and and for having guys banged up, like what you said, Scott, they're thin, especially in the secondary. They're they're playing better.
0: We're we're seeing what the potential could be in the next year or two as well. I think this. These guys have the potential to turn into the defenses we've seen in years past.
2: Okay. I, I totally agree with that. But is this team, as this defense, as, as we sit right now or a month from now when we're potentially playing for a Pac 12 title, are they good enough to win a Pac 12 title? The offense, the offense is good enough. Is -hmm. the defense
0: good enough? This, that we're seeing the defense right now, I think gets gashed by Oregon.
1: I would agree.
2: Can in the next month, right? Because you've seen some progress in the last month. You give them another month. Can we, can we make enough progress in the next month to be good enough? It's a lot to ask in,
0: in one month. I mean, we've seen improvements over the season, over the last, we've seen improvements over the last month, but to get to, I mean, Oregon, as everybody knows, can move the ball.
1: Oregon. I mean I Oregon know. State moved the ball yeah. on them a yeah. week ago.
2: I I'm I've got PTSD about facing Oregon in a Pac twelve title game. Makes me nervous. We need you, Fernando. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and who knows if it's Oregon. I mean the Pac twelve is so so wacky who who knows who's who's gonna be up there
2: well let's since we're talking about let's let's kind of look over these standings and kind of because pac-12 has been nuts the last couple of weeks it is nuts uh let we got to go to a break
1: well let's fire up the standings and we'll come back let's jump into utah stanford and some pac-12 top.
2: All right, let's let's break down these north the north and south divisions because these last few weeks have been just absolutely bonkers with what's going on. Obviously, you know, you see Cal goes in and absolutely just runs rough shot over Oregon State a week after they did that to us. Thirty-nine twenty-five. 25 absolutely crazy. I, anyone I did saw not that see coming. that one coming. Obviously, Washington State goes in and manhandles. ASU at ASU.
1: Washington beat Stanford. It's the Pac twelve, you
2: just you never know. You, it's so unpredictable. You 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 never do. But and that's why literally the standings almost change week to week because of so many upsets. Obviously in the North Division, Oregon is at is on top right now. They've got a four and one conference record. Um but the thing that looms large with Oregon is Washington State. Is right behind them, as is as is um, Oregon State and even Washington, and they've got all three teams left to play on that schedule. Mm-hmm. So even though Oregon's in in the, the driver's seat at the moment, it's not a guarantee. Especially they got to come to Salt Lake. If we can beat them here, that would be a huge loss, and potentially seeing what happens the rest of the way. I, you know, obviously Oregon's going to be probably the favorite, but. At this point, I wouldn't be surprised if Washington State, Oregon State, or even Washington is representing the North in the championship Can you imagine game. If
1: Jimmy Lake pulls <laughs> that off.
2: <laughs> I don't see that happening. I don't think so either. But this will be this this week is critical for Washington. They but but, but yeah, it is
0: but Washington State has played a lot better since we beat them. Yeah, the, their, right. only loss their only loss is, is to
2: BYU, BYU, which again, half their coaching loss.
1: staff was gone.
2: Half their coaching staff was gone. Oh, and it was a non-conference game. So it's like when you play BYU, it doesn't matter the result because it doesn't have any bearing on what you're doing. And so, uh, I mean, ultimately, yeah, the, the North is kind of up in the air still. The South, not so much, guys. South is a little bit more clear,
1: um, basically because of tiebreakers. Uh, Utah sits at the top at four and one, ASU's right below them at three and two, UCLA and US- USC at three and three in the conference. But if you look at it, Utah has the tiebreaker over every single team there.
2: And and the nice thing is Utah still has Colorado and Arizona left on the schedule. That's that helps. And one of those is at home and. Really, the Arizona game shouldn't be, matter where it's played. It'll be it'll be a scrimmage because there's no going to be no or Arizona fans in attendance. Really, the the two games that are really of utmost importance left on left on Utah's schedule is this week at Stanford, and then uh, three weeks home to Oregon. I'm a little nervous about this a or this Stanford game. I'm nervous because we're not in the comfy confines of rice Eccles, And I think that's
1: where youth comes into play is uh, it seems like younger teams, like what we were talking about, the defense, they tend to play better at home than on the road. The thing with Stanford is you look at them two and four in conference and you wouldn't think much about that except their two wins are against Oregon and USC. Right,
2: which, which tells you they have the ability to put a game together and play really well. They don't do it consistently, but they do have that ability. And if you're paying attention to the Pac 12, that's kind of a worst case scenario for a young Utah team going on the road, right? Where they didn't perform all that well last road game. The difference though is Oregon State
0: Stadium was packed. It and was loud. Stanford is going to be like playing at home. Have, Stanford has no fans cheering for them.
2: No, it'll it'll be a, a primarily empty stadium on a Friday night, no less. Right? So you're not. It's not even a Saturday game. Late Friday evening. They're not. You know that fan base is not going to show up. So environment wise, that is huge for Utah. You're not going to have a, a tough environment to play in. But you've seen it. You've seen it at times throughout this year. It's, You know they're just able. Stanford is able to play well in moments, and they've got a good young quarterback in in McKee. Mm -hmm. He is young, but he's he was a highly recruited kid, and he's put up some pretty impressive numbers um, so far this season. The the thing that stands out to me about Stanford is we're we're so used to them having just kind of a stud at the running back position, yeah, a power run game, power run game with a guy that just can scare you right and just run all over you. They don't really have that this year. You know, it's really kind of by committee, and they don't have any one guy that really stands out. Now, granted, they're still talented guys, but uh, you know they're only averaging um, 91 yards per game on the ground this year. So, um, and they're they're giving up over 206 a game on the ground defensively. That bodes well for us. That does bode well if if we can go in and run the ball and not allow them in turn to run it down our throats like Oregon State did. That's gonna speed this game up, keep that clock moving, and that'll be that'll be huge for for this for this game for the youth because I don't know, man. I've just I I'm just nervous about this.
0: I, I see this game playing out as a Whittingham special, like run the ball, run the ball, run the clock. Time of possession is gonna be huge in this one. I. I I can see it as a trap game. I'm not as nervous as you are.
2: Yeah, and 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 I just I hope it's just I, I'm probably putting too much emphasis on the fact that it's a road game. You know, I I've, I've got a lot of confidence when Utah's playing in Rice Eccles. That environment, especially with a young team, they 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 play well at home whereas we haven't I mean, you you go to BYU, did not play well. You go to San Diego State, did not play well. You go to o- Oregon State, offensively played well, A good chunk of that game defensively, you did absolutely nothing, and and so that's I'm I'm almost looking at the history of of this team on the road and kind of calculating that into (laughs) kind of where I'm feeling comfort level wise on this game. But if Utah can go out and do that, if they can run the ball and run it effectively against Stanford, um, I think we've I think we'll I think we'll be in really good shape. But I'm telling you. They're gonna they're gonna test our secondary. McKee can throw the ball and and they're gonna throw it a lot.
1: Well, and if you're Stanford and I mean that's where you're gonna attack this Utah defense, is is that young secondary when you have a quarterback the way that they do, and the fact that they're not as explosive in the run play or in the in the run game as they have been in, in years prior under Shaw, uh you know that's what they're gonna do. And so it's can Utah's defense really limit them through the air, uh, much like what Utah did against UCLA kind of that bend and don't break defense. I think what we've been seeing week after week, I kind of expect that. I think this is going to be more of a high-scoring game than maybe the Stanford games in the past. Um, I, I really, I I kind of see it mirroring the UCLA game, to be honest with you. If
0: Utah is able to score essentially at will like they have been the last few games, yeah, I think Utah puts a lot of points on the board, and I don't think Stanford can keep up with that.
2: Well, Stanford's only averaging twenty four on the season right now, so they're not you know they're not a high pro uh, high scoring team. Last week they only put up twenty points, um,
0: and, and, and no, they only They, up only, up they only put up
2: thirteen. Last and
0: Oregon week. State is the highest scoring offense in in the Pac twelve, right. and so you you have to give them credit. I mean, defensively we did not play well, you but bet. give give OSU credit. So, and I think. Their their lack of a running game it gives the opportunity for the defensive line to really focus on getting
2: pressure on the quarterback. And that I think that's going to be key, especially on a young quarterback. Is is he he's going to throw the ball? And you know, I'm looking at his stats. You know, he's got 51 rushing attempts on the season, uh, 142 yards through the ground. So it's not like he's a stiff back there. He does have the ability to run. Um, but, uh, but it is going to be, it's going to be pivotal that this defensive line and you saw that against UCLA, they were, they were able to put pressure on Garbers throughout the game. They just couldn't get him down. Mm-hmm. And he was pretty, he was pretty, um, agile back there and just kind of would, would be able to sidestep pressure, find an opening and, and, and get out of there. Um, and, and Tafua or Mika Tafua, he was he was right there. I mean, he he probably could have had four plus sacks the other the other night. He just could not get there um, and really finish the play. And I think that's going to be the key: is defensive lines got to keep that pressure up, but they've got to be able to finish a little bit better than what we saw against UCLA. All right, before we get into our our Utah Stanford uh,
1: scores, let's go and kind of just look over the Pac twelve. I know we just broke down the standings, but the games last week. We kind of mentioned it. I think the the big game as Cal beating Oregon State 39-25. No one saw that one coming. That is not, as I said, this. You never know what's going to happen in the Pac twelve, especially this year.
2: Well, and that's that's where you see in Oregon State that they're just they're not ready. They're still a young team learning that. You know they they had they're flying high after beating Utah and doing what they did to us and you could see they just didn't handle that success all that well to to really just get hammered by by a pretty average below or below average <laughs> cal team. below
1: average cal team. A special thank you to Washington State for beating Arizona State <laughs>
2: 34-21. There's rumors Herm could be out of a job. I I I don't think he survives this. If you're going to cheat... On you, top of the sanctions. If you're going to cheat, you better play for a Pac-12 title, right? In today's yeah. world, if you're going to cheat, your cheating has to produce something. It hasn't.
1: Sean Miller at Arizona. Yeah. For example. Uh, another coach that's rumored on the hot seat after this past weekend, Chip Kelly. Yep. I saw that floating around online, which I'm actually kind of surprised. I am... I think they, I am they've progressed.
2: Too. They... they They've gotten better, and I think, obviously, the fan base wants them to get better faster. It they, They've steadily been getting better year over year, but it hasn't been a fast climb for them.
0: And I think probably their fans more so than anybody else, but I think a lot of us expected Chip Kelly to come in and turn it into Oregon.
2: <laughs> Oregon 2.0. Yeah, and and that
0: hasn't happened as of yet.
2: Well, and that's not going to happen unless you invent a new aspect of an offense, right? That's why he was so good at Oregon is because he he was running something that people weren't and it was new and, and people, it took time to figure out how to defend it. And then he had athletes that, that just could outspeed everybody. And, and obviously, you know, UCLA, they still recruit pretty well, probably not as well as they should considering where they're located and, and just their, their brand name. Um, but you know what? I've kind of turned into a Chip Kelly fan just because of the way he's reacted to this. No, yeah. I mean, it, it. it's not just over the last few weeks. It's just over time. Like when he first got hired at UCLA, I still kind of had that Oregon hate for him. And, uh, I just, I, he just seems like a, a good dude. I, I would agree.
0: I mean, I obviously don't, none of us know him personally, sure. but, uh, how he's come across especially in the wake of the aaron Lowe and ty jordan and his remarks and how he brought the team in and put flowers at the 22 and some of the his comments i would say yeah he leans towards being a a good dude way different than what you kind of envisioned
2: him being when he coached at oregon right and and you know whittingham has high praise for him as well and uh um, so yeah, I don't. I obviously, you know, I, I don't know whether I want him to stay for the sake of the youths, whether I want him to stay or whether I want him to to go in a different direction. Um, but uh, it will be interesting to see where that where that one shakes I, out. I
0: honestly would be surprised if the administration there fires him so quickly. He's not. He he was a big name hire. It's not like some guy you went out and take it took took a risk on and it did, it's not panning out after four years
2: yeah but they also are paying him a lot of money and that money they may be saying the results you're giving us is not worth what we're paying you and that yeah, that could ultimately yeah. be a factor in that too because the the their fan base does not seem to be super thrilled with him and they're almost ready for a change but you know that's all they do <laughs> that's all they've done since we've joined the program <laughs> is just keep changing and staying about the same so yeah, but to be
0: honest with you as good as an athlete as DTR is, he's so inconsistent, and that's
1: part of your problem right there.
2: Well, and and that's partly where I think, I mean, Garber's is only a freshman.
1: I was really impressed with the Garber's. And he,
2: he, I mean, that was his first ever start in probably the toughest venue to play in in the Pac 12 outside of maybe Oregon. And, uh, I thought he handled himself pretty well. Mm hmm you know he 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 definitely had a couple inaccurate throws but you're going to get that from any quarterback really um but he he managed the offense well he kept the he kept them moving he really he didn't have any big mistakes the interception really wasn't on him it was just a great play by the defensive line to bat it up in the air and pick it he honestly mm-hmm. played better than Jaden Daniels played yeah yeah. Oh, yeah i i would agree and the fact that he's only a freshman Um, and with, with an offensive minded coach in Chip Kelly, you know, I think if, if they hold on to Kelly, you know, I think with him at quarterback in, in a few years, they could, they could actually be a really tough out.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, and that, the offensive line that he played against on Saturday, it's top notch. Yeah. And so you have all of those and then you keep Kelly in there, the consistency of that head coach. I, I think things are on the rise. I wouldn't let him go if I was, if I was. And administrator there, but money talks.
2: Money does talk.
1: Uh, looking at games this week, as we mentioned, Oregon-Washington play a big game there, and then another one to keep an eye on this weekend, ASU and SC play. Are we Trojan fans this week? Do we have to fight on? I
0: don't know that we even have to root for either one of them at this point. Yeah, it probably makes sense to root for USC because it gives us one more Gives it a little cushion, a little more cushion, even though we have the tiebreaker. But
2: I think I'm always gonna, I think I'm always gonna go Dirty Trojans over ASU. Fight on, <laughs> because because either way, I don't. It's not really gonna affect Utah one way or the other. And anytime you can see ASU get buried, let's. I'd help. I'll I'll go help throw a little bit of dirt on them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, let's get into this Utah Stanford. Utah is traveling up to Stanford Friday night game. That makes me a little nervous as well. Short week and you're traveling. Uh, Vegas, as we're recording this, has Utah as a seven-point favorite.
2: I like it. I always like when Vegas has uh, confidence in the Utes, um, Scott. So, where you like that? What's your what's your score? Who do you got winning? Yeah, man. I think I think the Utes offensively continue to roll. I think we're gonna I think we're gonna put points up on the board. I'm gonna go Utah, forty-one. Stanford, twenty-eight. Ryan, where are you going?
0: I too think the Utes keep rolling. I think I don't. I don't see any reason why this offense cannot continue to put points on the board. Um, and I think again, it's it's a little high scoring on the Ute side. I'm
1: going to go forty-five to twenty-four. I'm right along with you guys. I have Utah 42-24 over the trees that will do it for this episode ryan where can people find you on twitter
0: at drum and feather drum the letter and feather
1: and scott
0: yeah you man underscore
1: forever and you can follow me on twitter and instagram at utah man podcast at our home utah man and anywhere you listen to a podcast we are there itunes Stitcher, google play and hopefully utah gets another big win this friday against the trees and
2: go utes go utes Go Utes. will be till I die. Kaiyai. Finish it off, Utes.
1: We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah.